Welcome to the Circumference Podcast. I hope you're all well. Hope you're looking after yourselves. Today we've got something a little bit different. I'm glad to announce that we have our first guest on the show. And that guest is Jake Allen. He's one of my oldest friends. In fact, I've been friends with him since I was probably 11. And we'll be talking about mental health, sobriety, anxiety, loss, work, advice for budding business owners, and just general mental health tips as well. Originally, the podcast was meant to be 30 minutes, but it ended up being 50. And that's purely because I was enjoying myself so much and I just had to hear what he had to say. Um, everything that he said, I was like, yes, this is good. This is just really useful, I think, for people to hear. And it was really useful for me to listen to as well. So I hope you enjoy this as much as I did. Now, I'm going to place a trigger warning here because we're talking about mental health and some of the topics may be uncomfortable for some listeners, um, especially in the areas of anxiety and panic attacks. And without further delay, I bring you my good friend, Jake Allen. This is this is what I go for. I want you to sit back, relax, bloody take your shoes off, yeah. take your socks off. As far as I'm concerned, I've got shorts on. I put a t-shirt on, but I have got shorts on. Um, which are lucky because shorts were definitely a questionable thing. Whether I just went full, what just... full Ron Burgundy and just wore nothing below the belt. I mean, that was another choice. Anything goes. So if you wanted to, you could wear <laughs> absolutely nothing. I have to ask because the last time we spoke, and people listening won't know anything about this, but uh, one of your neighbors' house got struck by lightning and semi or did semi burnt down. I don't know if it fully fully burnt down, but how's is there yeah, any been any sucks. development there? Um, they put up a GoFundMe, so their house got struck by lightning on Monday. Um, we didn't know the family, so we were kind of the, the whole thing was pretty stressful. So I just got a text out the blue from a friend who lives about five minutes away from me, um, on the other side of town, that basically just said. Hi, man. Hope you're okay. I hear a house has been struck by lightning um, by you, so I just wanted to check in you were okay. So I was like, oh, that sucks. Like, that's really bad. And then in the back of my mind, I was like, oh, ooh, maybe it's my house. So I've got ring doorbells and security systems. So I was like, oh, I'll just check on the ring doorbell, see what the commotion is. And I opened my phone and opened my home systems app. Everything was offline. So it was oh like ring security systems offline, all your Alexas are offline, can't connect to your computer, your server's down, all this shit. So I was like, my house has been struck by lightning. <laughs> yeah. So I started to panic and um, we'd had a load of rain as well. So we called, um, I called my wife and was like, you need to go home. We've got, there's a chance that something's happened. So she got within like 15 minutes of the house and was like, yep, yeah, road's flooded, can't get there. Fire engines are everywhere. Um, and then meanwhile, this was going on. Someone else I know who lives by was like, it's your street. I can't get up there because the fire, fire brigade won't let me up there, but it's on your street. By the time we got home, oh, by the time I got home from work, um, about 15 minutes later, we'd established it was someone five doors down. So close. But it, the lightning strike hit the roof. The roof came through. And then 
the loft insulation went up in flames. So they had to douse the loft insulation to put it out, which then caused the, the first floor ceiling to cave in. So the entire of the inside of the house is, is knackered. And we, we found out um, about two days later that she's actually like 37 weeks pregnant. Oh, my God. So they'd got like a nursery and everything set up. And it was, it was pretty awful. But they put a GoFundMe up. Yeah. To be like, look, we've, we're, we're having a baby in like three weeks. We are putting stuff through insurance, but we're, um, we're a bit stressed. So any donations can help. So they put like a 45-day thing up, which was like, if we can get five grand in 45 days, that helps take a bit of the weight off. And I think in a week, they generated like seven and a half thousand pounds, and it's still going. Yeah, that's nice. I mean, so it's, yeah, it's really nice. We'll, uh, if anyone wants to donate that's listening to this, we'll stick it in the, in the show notes and try and help in any way that we can, because that's just so unfortunate. Oh, yeah, it's it's literally like the. I mean, the ironic thing is like people go, "Oh, lightning doesn't strike twice," but um, it struck three times. It struck their house. It struck the street outside, um, and it struck outside a pub, literally like two minutes down the road. Um, but the strike that hit the ground outside, it was so violent that we found it. So I've had no internet for a week, which is why we've had to delay this. Um, and we've had B, we've been on the phone to BT to try and get it sorted for ages, and. Um, it turned out basically what happened was, long story short, we've had no internet because the current that hit the ground was so strong, it sent current through our phone cable and fried our modem. What else? Just say you were on the household household phone uh, that's like connected. I know no one has that, but what what's... Oh, yeah, like what would happen? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I think, you, I think you'd, you know that scene in Home Alone where he's like, <laughs> he, he, he touches the light switch and his hair like goes up <laughs> and he's just a skeleton. I think it'd be like that. <laughs> Like, I'd like to think anyway, if you're going to go, go with a bit of comedy with a big <laughs> grin on your face as all your hair stands up on end. Well, it sounds like you were very lucky out of all of this. So, so. Yeah, we were like, it was a proper sigh of relief. So I've known you, Jake, for definitely, let's think, probably, probably <laughs> over like, it's got to be 14 or 15 years, I think. It's got to be something like it's gotta that. It's got to be yeah, something it's like got that. has got to be. And... Some very, very crucial years. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And we used to do a lot of skateboarding and we used to listen to a lot of heavy music, uh, screamo, metal, yeah. anything rocky, anything with a guitar yeah, tuned yeah. down to drop C or even lower. A lot of shredding. Even lower. If we, if we, felt, if we felt risky, then yeah, we'd go even lower. <laughs> I mean, I was a bit softer. For me, it was, it was drop D. Uh, you, you take it down yeah. to drop C, but I was, uh, I was just anything lower <laughs> than that. Uh, I don't think my guitar could hack a drop C uh, tuning, so it was a struggle. But um, yeah, <laughs> we've known each other for ages, but I actually haven't yeah. spoken to you properly in, it has to be at least five years. So yeah, th- it's got to be a while. I think what it might be good for me and for people listening as well is like, where are you in your life right now? What are you doing? What, what do you do for a living? Okay. Uh, so right now, um, everything's a bit up in the air for me at the moment. So uh, I have two jobs. And then, yeah, so my two jobs are I work in um, sales and marketing. So I do like uh, contract marketing work and sales for a company um, in a completely different sector to what I normally work in. So they're a new company that's had exponential growth. So I'm okay with social media and website building and all that sort of stuff. So I'm, I'm working for them at the moment to help them build systems and get things off the ground so they can cope with the growth because they were literally working off like pen and paper when I joined and now they've got proper processing systems and stuff like that. 
Um, and then my other job, which is a company I set up uh, about a year ago, which is um, I'm a coffee roaster. Oh, lovely. So we, bought, so we buy in specialty coffee from around the world. We roast it and supply it to cafes and people at home to enjoy. That's pretty cool. So how did you get into the, uh, the coffee roasting business? So um, I got into coffee because I quit drinking alcohol for, yeah, it's come, yeah, it's just gone past four or five years now. Nice. And I used to, I used to really enjoy drinking um, whiskey and rum. So I used to buy different whiskeys and buy different rums and experiment and stuff like that. And when I, when I went teetotal, it was, um, what's next, you know, what's my, what can I deep dive into in terms of drinks or food or whatever? It was either that or I was going to just sample every fast food on the market. So I started messing around with trying different coffees and buying from different places and it just snowballed. Yeah. Snowballed from there. That's really cool to be fair. And, and I just want to press on the, the not drinking for four years. Do you feel better yeah. in yourself for not doing that? I mean, well done for doing that because that's like some people really struggle to do anything remotely yeah, close. Yeah, that's, yeah. that's phenomenal. I can imagine. I can imagine. It's um, it was different. It was it was a choice. It was a choice that was made for me, definitely. Um, in the sense that it was at the time that I quit drinking, it was a point where, um, my drinking habits. I wouldn't go as far to say I was like an alcoholic, but I was drinking. I was drinking a lot. And my my issue with drinking was never that um, I wasn't a drunk or it never affected my work or anything like that. But, you know, when people go, oh, let's go to the pub and have, you know, let's go to the pub and have a pint and then we'll go home. Yeah. I'd be the guy that would go to the pub, have a pint, and then at three o'clock in the morning would still be in a nightclub 20 pints down the road. Because as soon as I had one, I wanted the second one, wanted the yeah, third yeah. one. Um, and it just got to a point where I thought, well, I haven't got self-control. As soon, I've got self-control in myself. Um, but as soon as I have a drink, my element of self-control is gone. Yeah. Like I can't. So, and that's something that always bothers me, not having self-control. So I just like, I think I had a, I, I had too much to drink one night, just had a rough night, woke up the next morning and just thought, you know what? I'm just not going to do this ever again. That's great. And yeah. uh, I haven't had a, haven't had a drop since. And thing, you know, touch wood so far, there's, um, since then I got engaged, I got married. So there's been chances to be like, I'm going to celebrate. And I've just, I've not bothered, you know, so it's, um, yeah, it's been just over four years now since I, uh, I last had a drink. It's really, that's, that's really impressive. And I think it's even more amazing that you, you had the willpower and the kind of the self-reflection to, to wake up on that day and think this isn't working for me and just cut it off and realize that you probably need to take some other steps in your life in the right direction. And alcohol was probably leading you down perhaps the wrong path. That's really, that's good. And yeah, it's pretty inspiring as well because I I personally feel as well. I'm in a bit of a similar boat where if I have one drink, I I feel the the energy and the rush and I'm like, okay, another one that's not going to do anything. Yeah. Um, yeah. It's like, in, it's like part, party in a bottle. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And then the next one and the next one, and then I wake up and the next day I'm like anxious and I'm like grumpy, miserable, tired. I'm eating more food than I normally would. And just like, yeah, yeah. there's just so many spillover effects that just really aren't, aren't good for you. So well done. And I think one day I may follow suit and join you on the, uh, on sobriety. It's, it's definitely interesting. I think what I find, what I find the most interest. So I, I have a tendency to just quit things overnight. So I, I, the only thing that I never completely quit overnight was smoking. So when I quit smoking, I, I went to vapes for like two, three months because I thought it was cool. Um, and 
I went, I like, I, I vaped for a bit and then I forgot to charge it one day and then just never did it. But like in terms of like smoking tobacco, it was a case of, right, I finished that packet of cigarettes and I'm never buying another one. And I've never had a cigarette since. So I always struggle to weed myself off things. I either have to do it 100% or don't do it at all. Yeah. And I think that alcohol was definitely one of those things that was one of the most um, jarring for people around me because they'd be like, oh, do you want a drink? And I'd be like, I have a Coke. And they'd immediately go, oh, you're driving? Or, you know, so so not drinking is something that's completely, or I find completely socially awkward. Um, and it's even more awkward when people kind of want to know why as well, because they tiptoe around the idea of, oh, don't you drink? Why don't, why don't you drink? And, you know, I actually, um, I had a job once where when I, I'd been there about a month and one of the managers there was particularly prying and nosy just generally. And, um, they were like, oh, we're going out for some drinks and stuff soon. You know, what, as a company, what would you like to drink? You know, do you want us to get a bottle of wine or anything that you want to drink? And I was like, oh, I don't drink. And she was like, oh, well, how come? I was like, oh, I just, I knocked it on the head a couple of years ago. And she was like, oh, were you an alcoholic? And I was like, you jumped, yeah. you jumped straight to the worst end of the spectrum. And I was like, I, 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 kind of, I think I just kind of brush it off of humor. And I definitely think that I had the potential to be an alcoholic. Yeah. But I think... Um, I think seeing the the red flags early was a massive help and uh growing up playing music and stuff like that I saw a world of of what I thought at the time were really good friends go deep into drugs and alcohol yeah. and to this day like I you know I'll be I'd be lying if I said that I didn't follow suit but I got out as quickly as I got in I you know I did what I wanted to do I did what I I tried the things that I wanted to try and I was comfortable in trying and a lot of it was like peer pressure and stuff, but I'd much rather be the guy that tried it at like 17 and then never did it again than the guy that discovers it at 30 and flushes his life down the toilet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So it was, um, it was interesting to kind of just knock it all on the head but see the social aspects of people. People are more shocked that you don't drink than being the drunk guy in the pub causing the trouble. Um. So I know you've 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 mentioned the alcohol side of things, but has there been any other experience that you've had with mental health that you want to talk about, or is that kind of um, has that nicely covered up the area, the, the direction that you're coming from regarding mental health? No, there's been a f there's there's been quite a lot, I guess. Yeah. I think um, it's definitely been more in the last four three to four years that I've experienced it and I always consider myself to be someone that didn't have mental health everyone yeah yeah um, everyone kind of I was always like I yeah I don't have it and um and I think that was kind of solidified so my wife is very open about it she's suffered with clinical depression for years and she's medicated and anxiety issues and stuff like that so I've always seen what she's gone through um and the negative of that as well as I've always seen what she's gone through and gone well I'm fine mm. Like, mm. I've seen what she's gone through. I'm not going through that. So that means I'm fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I think that, that that's also, like, part of the problem because you shut, like, I, I think one of my biggest issues was I always kind of shut off my own self-care or self-help um, because my position in my head was always, you have to be strong for other people. You have to be strong for someone yeah, else. Yeah. So when a relative dies, you have to be strong for the family. You yeah. know, when a loved one dies, you have to be strong for them. Um, when someone's, you know, struggling, you have to be there for them. Yeah. And I think it get it got to a point about a year ago or so where it was like, well, who's there for me? Because I'm I'm so used to rely having everyone else rely on me. Um, and and not even intentionally, I would I would 
try and be a sin eater for them. So I'd be like, well, look, look, give me your burden. I'll look after it yeah, for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you learn your own limits very, very quickly when all of a sudden you, you try and help all these people and then you realize, actually, I can't. And then not only have you let them down, you've let yourself down. Yeah. And you kind of snowball a little bit. And it's, um, yeah, the last year has been a massive level of kind of self-reflection and self-improvement and just like, yeah, I always think of the whole, um, when people say, uh, if you ask someone they're okay, ask them twice because the second answer is always different. Yeah. Okay. That's interesting. Uh, so it's like, is, you know, you're okay. Like someone asked me if I'm okay and my natural response, regardless of what I'm thinking of, it was almost like, um, it was just like a sneeze, like a involuntary response, which would just be, yeah, fine. Yeah. Regardless of what day I was happening, but like, yeah, I'm fine. And if you ask twice, then you've engaged in a conversation that's kind of, oh, okay, let's have a meaningful conversation about it. Mm. And, um, and I've seen it more with, with friends, old and new, that have posted and stuff that are struggling. And, it, and it, there's, a, there's an inherent guilt in the fact that I haven't reached out or I haven't made enough effort and stuff like that. And it's, um, it's astounding to me how many people that I look at and go, they've got the best life ever. And then all of a sudden they're like, yeah, I've been like, I haven't got out of bed for a week. Because I just can't face the fact of going to work. And you're like, damn, I didn't know that. Like, I just look at your social media profile and think, you're great. You know, you're having a great time. And I think that's, that's, one, of the biggest, um, that's one of the biggest issues is the, the social media element of it. Is that everything's quantified in numbers. So you look at someone and you go, they're getting 30 likes a post. They're happy. Yeah, 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 yeah. And the reality of it's the reality of it's so different or in yourself, you know, I'm getting 30 likes a post, so I should be happy. And it's not everything. And yeah. So, yeah, mental health's been a, a, a massive learning curve for me the last the last year, I guess, in my own mental health, not other people's, but in my own, what I'm capable of in my own limits. What, what I find really interesting is that you said this last year has been a period of reflection. Would you say that this covid period as well has given you some space or i mean how has that worked for you because i know i've spoken to a few people and it's like this has been a bit of a pause button on my life and it's given me a chance to look at things but i'd, I'd like to know wh- where exactly what you're talking about within this year just in general over the past year yeah yeah of course so so like um so in the last year a, a very close love one of mine um who's now sadly passed was diagnosed with terminal cancer oh, sorry man and it no, it's okay. It's okay. You know, we got to talk about these things, and it it puts it it put a hell of a lot of stuff in perspective for me because it was like, well, I'm getting stressed about things that I, you know, I'm getting like I was in a job at the time that I would come home and I would do nothing but moan. I would do nothing but be negative about it, um, and I was completely isolated. So the only people that I could speak to about my work was my wife or my family. So every time I would have a conversation with them about work, it would be negative. So I was just constantly pushing out negative energy. And eventually people aren't going to want to listen to Mm. that anymore. Um, And then when that started to happen with the family and I started to see the reality of, uh, of what actually matters. And I was like, why am I getting stressed about something that I genuinely don't care about? Like if the company I work for now disappeared off the face of the planet, would I be upset about it? No. So why am I why am I dedicating so much of my emotional and mental inventory yeah. to something that I don't actually care about? I have to pay bills, I have to pay a mortgage and and that's always understandable, but but there's levels and and I always remember my um my dad taking to me one side and being like, "Look, everything that you are moaning about your work, you aren't getting paid to look after." 
it's not your responsibility. Yeah. So everything negative that you have to talk about isn't your problem. You're making it your problem. So when I left that job and, and found somewhere that was more of a, a, a life work balance and stuff, it gave me time to then focus on internal kind of realities and things that I should be getting stressed about. My health, my, my mental health, yeah. you know, um, not stressed about it, but things that I should be paying attention to, which I've just been neglecting. And COVID was a massive period of, yeah, let's look at that. It's, it's a shame that real tough things have to pop up in your life for you to have these kind of like life changing kind of attitudes and reflections. Do you know what I mean? Like, it's a shame. Yeah, yeah, 100%. It shouldn't take that for you to go, oh, maybe I should care about myself a little bit more. But, but you, you hear it so often that it takes like a big, like, just something huge, a huge change, a huge negative change. And it will, it'll really, I mean, it just helps change people's perspectives in some ways negative and in some ways positive. And I really, I really love to hear when people have, have managed to take positivity from that, that huge negativity and go forward yeah, with it. Yeah. 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 I always find, um, like I find massive solace in music and stuff like that. And something that was a, a shock for me a few years ago was my, my favorite ever uh, band, which is a band called Architects. Their guitarist, Tom, passed away a few years ago of, of cancer. He was, I think he was 27 when he passed yeah. away. But he wrote their last two albums about having it. Mm. And something that was quite profound for me was how he, there was a lyric in one of their songs, which was called, um, it, the lyric just said, uh, hope is a prison. Yeah. And there was a lot of people that took that as kind of like, oh, maybe he'd given up. But he, he actually, the mentality behind it was, no, hope is a prison because people rely on hope for change when the reality is you should be the change. Don't hope for change. Be the change. Yeah. Be the positive output. Be, like, try and be something that's positive or, or be something that will change, your, change what you're going through rather than just hoping for it because sometimes hoping for it means you're in for disappointment. The way that I interpret that myself as well is that if you're hoping, you're constantly forward-looking to the future and then you're not really living in the present yeah. and you're just constantly hope. Hope is the word, but waiting for that next yeah, big yeah. thing to come instead of being in right here, right now, in this moment, because this moment is all that you have and it's all you ever will have, really. Yeah, exactly. So yeah. it's um it's and a great lyric. Yeah, and vision's always twenty twenty in hindsight. And you know, at the time I was so wrapped up in work and stuff like that. And then like now when I look back on it, I'm like, Man, I should have got out of that job a year earlier. Yeah. And and that is another just it's such a large thing, like you look back and you go, I've wasted so much time doing this when really all I had to do yeah, was yeah. get up one day and go, right, what's the next plan? What am I going to do? I can, yeah, yeah, I can build towards this. I just need to take the small steps that are in place. So really interesting. Yeah, exactly. And, and it's, it's amazing how so much like work stress and stuff that you just don't care about can trigger such a men like such a, a violent reaction. Um, I mean, I'd seen my wife have like panic attacks and stuff like that over the past and so I'm uh, I, I'm qualified scuba diver, so I've learned like breathing yeah. techniques and stuff like that. So I was always able to help calm her down and speak, talk through it and stuff like that. And um, I was so stressed at work one day that I had my very first ever panic attack at yeah. work at like 25 years old, 26 yeah. years old. And just not knowing what the hell was going on. I remember the only way I can describe it was um, it just felt like there was a balloon in my chest that was inflating. And I couldn't stop it from inflating. And that was, and that was the only way. It was the, it was the panic of it. 
And I've had two or three since then that have been completely irrational. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And, I, and I think that's what I always find the most fascinating about the whole the thing is it, it, my mental health is that the majority of the things that stress me out or, or the things I've had panic attacks over over time, um, when I look back at them, I go, oh, yeah, that was completely irrational. At the time, I couldn't see it. But when it was happening, it was the most scary thing on the yeah, planet. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Like you, you end up going down this spiral and you just don't know what's going on. And like you said, you take a step out and you can completely you can you can deconstruct everything and you're like wow that really was not not worth the stress but in the moment yeah, you just yeah. lose control and it really is it's the strangest feeling that, that yeah that it was um yeah it's really bizarre i mean i think the worst one i ever had the worst or the what i would say not the worst one but what i would describe as the only real panic attack i had which is just when it when you got i got to a point where i was like i don't know i'm i'm gonna die mm. and it, um it was on a plane mm. So I'd been, yeah, I'd been on a diving, I'd been on a diving holiday. Um, so I've been on a scuba diving holiday and there's, um, when you come up from the surface, you have to do it in stages so you don't get the bends. So we have dive computers that monitor all that sort of stuff and basically stop us from killing ourselves by accident. Yeah. And um, we were boarding the plane and it was an early flight and I was a bit tired and all this sort of stuff. And I was sat on the plane and I literally like, it was a bit claustrophobic because I was on an aisle seat. And there was a lot of people still coming on the plane. So I was like a little bit claustrophobic, um, which I don't get generally. And then I, I just remember sitting there staring at the, the front of the, the back of the chair in front of me and going, what if my computers were wrong? What if this plane takes off and I've got the bends and it kills me? And then that was it then. Like an hour later, I was still like head on the tray table trying to control my breathing because I genuinely convinced myself that I wasn't getting off the plane. Like I just, it wasn't going to happen. Wow. Um, and uh, the guys I were with were like super understanding. They, I just said, look, I don't feel very well. So they just like, were like, yeah, sure, no problem. You know, when the when the, the people come over, we'll ask for water and stuff like that. And I remember going into the, the toilets on the airplane, which is never pleasant anyway, yeah, yeah. and running my wrists under cold water because I was just like hot sweats and hyperventilating. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was going to like, felt like I was going to throw up any minute. Um, and I remember sitting on the horrible like plastic toilet lid of <laughs> this plane toilet running my hands under cold water and then just looking at myself in the mirror and just laughing. And it just went like the panic attack just completely went. And I was laughing because I was like, what the, what are you going through? Like, what, what are you doing? You're not going to die. You're on a plane. You've gotten planes like hundreds of times. What are you getting stressed about? And I literally had an internal conversation with myself where I like talk, uh, I talked myself out of a panic wow. attack. And then I sat in my chair and I was like, what the hell was that? And, and, where did that and come you from? were relatively stable after that. It was it's fine after that. I had the worst airplane vegetarian food I've ever had, <laughs> which was um, which was a child's child's pasta meal because they hadn't put enough vegetarian meals on the plane. <laughs> so I had a child's child's bolognese, vegetarian bolognese, which was revolting. <laughs> and I just I just sat there the whole flight back, just confused, just completely exhausted, like I'd completely exhausted myself. And just baffled. I mean, I think um, after that, you and deserve I, the, the meal of champions, not, not the, the child's. Yeah, yeah, I know. I needed some corn nuggets <laughs> to get me over it. And uh, yeah, I was just confused. I was just completely confused. And um, I was just sat there eating this food. And I was just like, an hour ago, I was convinced I wasn't getting off this mm. plane. And now I'm sat here like, what the heck was that? And, uh, and now one of my coping me mechanisms is that I literally, I just say to myself over and over again, it's a chemical imbalance, it'll pass. 
and that's literally all I all I think of at the time is like something chemicals happened, yeah. it's gonna pass. You're gonna you're gonna be all right. But it, it thinking of panic attacks makes me kind of you get towards that 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 fear where all of a sudden you become very conscious of your own heartbeat. Yeah. You get very conscious of your own hearing uh, of your own breathing. Um, and I felt one creeping up on me the first time I went to the airport after that flight. Yeah. And uh, I was in the cab on the way to the airport, and I was like, oh, man, the last time I was on a flight, I'm going to have a panic attack. Yeah. I, I, the last time I was on a flight, I had a panic attack. I'm about to have another panic attack. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> and I just kind of was like, oh, just close your eyes, listen to some music, take yourself away from yeah. it. And, um, and it. And it passed in, like, minutes. So... Whereas the last one was like hours. So it, it seems like you've you've made you've got two really good things here, which is no alcohol and telling yourself the right things when you get into these tricky situations mentally. But are there any other steps that you put in place to better your mental health? Uh, time, time more than anything, giving giving myself time, um, un- not being so hard on myself when I'm not feeling like I can do a 14 hour work day because um at the moment like you know trying to get a company off the ground covid happening which literally like you know we couldn't we couldn't possibly prepare for anything like that that happened so we we establish a company in january december january trading wise anyway we're ready to go um and by march our entire customer base is switched off overnight Mm, yeah okay so um and and i think time to to accept that you know you're not in control of everything and sp- take time away from work because there's there's a lot of times where you will just sit and just spend time working on stuff that isn't actually that important yeah. but because you feel like you have to be doing something to be moving forward you're focused on little things and the other thing was talking as well just speaking to people i never once up until a year ago like i said earlier i never once spoke about my own mental health to my wife because my opinion was she's got her own problems i'm not i don't want to add to yeah. them so my problems are my problems, her problems are my problems, yeah. and that's the end of it. Um, but I think it's, in, it's incredible seeing how strong people can become when you include them in your problems. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, this is the thing. A lot of people go through their own struggle, and they don't do it socially because, first of all, it's really hard to do that. But as, as soon as you do do that, you really do take a bit of the, the weight and burden off your shoulders when you start sharing with people, especially people that that I would say sort of understand what's going on. They've been through a similar thing and, and that's yeah. really important to have those discussions with those people and as well with people that don't understand so that they can become educated on the matter as well and maybe in the future learn from what you've had to say and then say if the time ever comes around and I hope it doesn't, they have to help someone with mental health problems themselves. Yeah, and I think it's I think the stigma is definitely starting to to lower a little bit in terms of, I'm seeing more, and it's sad because I'm seeing more people posting about them struggling with their mental yeah. health, but it's good because if you're posting about it, then we're talking about yeah. it. If you're not posting about it, then you're struggling on your own. Yeah. Um, so it's nice, it's nice to see that people are willing to speak about it more. Yeah. Um, and I think it's creating a, a pretty strong and valuable support network for people. Yeah. There's people that follow me on social media and I follow them who I've never had a conversation with once in my yeah. life that I'll see them post something about social media and I'm just like, look, we don't know each other, but you have on a chat, just hit me up. I'm completely out the loop. So there's nothing, you know, there's no personal conflict of interest yeah, or yeah, anything. Yeah. Just talk. It's like talking to a stranger. Let's just have a conversation. It's, it's exactly like that. Like I, I will scroll through Instagram and Twitter and I'll see someone post something 
that to me is blatantly a cry for help. And I might not even be close with them, but I'm just like, look, here if you need to talk. Yeah, because yeah. You, you, yeah. you clearly, by posting what you've just posted, are in a bit of a dark time right now. So let's just talk. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, and it's it's just conversation as well. And, and, it, and it, sometimes you don't even have to talk. You just have to listen. Yeah. They just want someone... You just want someone to listen to you and go, you know what? You're not actually crazy. You think you are, but you're yeah. not. Because I've felt that way. I know a lot of people that have felt that yeah. way. And, and I think one of the worst parts about struggling with mental health. Sorry, my screen's just turned That's off. Okay. One of the worst things about people that, st- or, or, or one of the worst things about struggling with mental health is it, one of the biggest things I experienced was isolation yeah. of the whole, yeah, I don't want to burden anyone with my problems, so I'll deal with them on my yeah. own. And then you can't deal with them on your own. You haven't spoke to anyone, so you just kind of stuck with them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and it and it's a problem shared is a problem halved. If you can speak to someone about it, then it makes an enormous difference. I I found for myself that essentially I just sat there and thought this will pass eventually. But it didn't. Yeah, yeah. I'll grow out. But, of this. but it didn't, and that was the thing. And I, but I also wasn't taking the right steps for it to pass. So I was like, it, it, yeah, this yeah. will pass. But I would think about uh, <clears throat> my anxiety for every second of the day. But then I'd be like, it'll still pass though, and it definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. It yeah. Definitely didn't. And it becomes it becomes the forefront of things that you do as well. So like, I don't know. Someone will be like, "Oh, do you want to get some? Do you want to get some drinks with some people later?" And you're like, "Yeah, sure." And then you say yes, and then in your head you think, "Ah, oh, what if I'm going to be super anxious and nervous about mm-hmm. that?" And then because you think about it, you become super anxious and nervous about it because it's so, it's so prominent in in your, the forefront of of your daily life that you you become it because you're worried about becoming yeah. it. I've asked you about steps that you've taken, but are there any like physical activities? I know you like your music. Is there anything else that you, I mean, you can talk about music as well. Um, The activities that you partake to benefit your mental health. I've started recently in the last six months. I tried yoga and it nearly killed me. Um, (laughs) I'm just, yeah, I'm just, you know, I used to look at yoga and go, yeah, I'm fairly flexible. And then I'd watch people do, I'd try yoga and I'd be like, man, I've not got the muscles. It burns. It just burns. It used, yeah. Someone would be like, oh, yeah, do this position. I'd be like, my legs are on fire. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I really can't. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I've started doing some, like, I was about spending more time just like, I, I guess you could say it's like meditating, but it's not, I, I wouldn't consider it meditating because I, I can't do it for longish periods of time. I get bored, my brain yeah, wanders. Yeah. But I do spend a lot of time kind of sat on my own, either listening to something that's kind of ambient or do it outside when the weather's nice. And I'll just sit and just leave my phone um or any you know any technology out the room and just spend some time on my own be present and just kind of it's amazing how quickly your brain can empty itself as fast as it can fill itself and you just feel a bit lighter it's really interesting because i'd say we live in a culture that is very much like go out see people do things never be alone never sit on your own and stuff but those yeah, yeah, yeah. those 10 15 minutes that you spend on your own just listening to something relaxing or sitting with your your thoughts and not letting them run away is so important to setting you up for the rest of your day or giving you that time out it really is yeah exactly and i think commutes help massively so i don't drive so pre covid um i used to rely on public transport or walk to work if the weather was nice yeah. 
And just those 15, 20 minutes in a morning and in an evening to just have me, some music and nothing else, just like, or, a, or an audio book or something, just, just to take me away from whatever I was doing that day yeah. and just have some moments of just kind of peace, I guess. Yeah, like I'm not going to check my phone for 15 minutes. I'm just going to enjoy what I'm enjoying and turn my brain off. It's interesting as well, because I think when you use your phone as an escape, which all of us do because we're endlessly scrolling, you're not really giving your brain the time to switch off for a couple of seconds. You're actually just going into glazed over mode, but the cogs are still working. Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. You're waiting for it to buzz in your pocket and go, oh, yeah, I've got a text. Yeah, yeah I can read this. Yeah, and, and yeah. so, so I, I think when you are scrolling through your phone, you don't know this, but you may, you, I mean, in my opinion, you, you feel that tension rising purely because you're actually still actively doing something, but slightly glazed over. Whereas when you take those seconds to go and sit somewhere and breathe, it, th there is a big difference. Yeah, it definitely makes it definitely makes a difference. I mean, especially recently, we've had some really nice warm nights. So it's like I've a couple of times, you know, had a shower at night and just gone and sat outside for five yeah. minutes and like the combination of having a shower and just washing the day off and then sitting outside on the grass and just enjoying being outside for five, 10 yeah. minutes. And you just kind of, you just feel lighter. You just kind of feel yourself go, ah, yeah. now I'm feeling a little bit better. You just feel this weight kind of shed. Yeah. Um, and it comes back because, you know, you have to return to work and you have to return to reality, but giving yourself those minutes to recharge and to pause are massively important otherwise you just head towards a burnout yeah yeah um and and i've had it where you just sit and you just stare at a computer or you stare at your phone and you 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 feel overwhelmed by the feeling of you have to do something yeah. but there's nothing to do yeah, yeah so you just stare at it yeah and it's stressful like it's it is proper stressful and but it's it's important to have those times away i think and and reset and it definitely helps me definitely this is and I, and I only really thought about this the other day, but I started struggling with anxiety big time in, let's say, 2015. And I'd mm -hmm. say halfway through that year, I started reading and I'd never really done that. And now I'm, I'd say I'm quite a religious reader. And I think for me, that is my little sort of without meditating, my meditative state that gives me something for my brain to do continuously that isn't super stimulating. Yeah, 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 yeah definitely. And I think it's what you choose, the, the, the media that you choose to intake as well. So like when COVID first happened, um, I was furloughed from my sales and marketing job because we were able to all work from home um, and the workload got manageable to a point where they were just like, look, take a couple months um focus on what's going on because at the same time you know um loved one wasn't very well and all this sort of mm. stuff so we we were focusing on what i would say things that were important and one of the rules that i kind of set myself and set in the house was okay we're massively limiting our our exposure to mainstream media yeah. because because the the anxiety of what was happening wasn't it wasn't so much that ignorance is bliss but there's not much I can do. I'm sat at home. I'm being told to isolate. I'm being told to, you know, stay at home. I'm being told to not go shopping unless absolutely necessary. I can follow those rules. What I don't need to do is what I saw a lot of my friends doing, which is spend their entire day at home with nothing to occupy their brain. So they sit and look at contagion figures, look at death rates, look at pictures of convention centers being turned into hospitals and it just sent my anxiety through. yeah you're summing me up here and that's exactly what i did in the first few weeks of covid and i was 
miserably stressed out. Yeah, yeah. And the crazy thing is, is that all this is going on, but if you just close your phone and your laptop, life is going on as normal, more or less. It go- yeah, it yeah, it was. And that's what I think was a massive realisation for me. And I've kept it on my phone since as a reminder of like my own, to remind myself that I get paranoid yeah. because I've got a note file on my folder, which was, it was, what, April? So... I spend a lot of time outside. I've got hay fever. So I've got, so naturally I was like coughing or sneezing and stuff like that. But I've got a notepad, a note folder on my phone that was like Tuesday the 14th, mild cough, not concerned. Wednesday the 15th, coughs got worse, yeah. slightly concerned. And it was like trying to document my symptoms because I'd convinced myself that I got this illness because I was just like, I was just watching the TV going, well, if they've all got it, I've yeah, got yeah, it. Yeah. They're telling me that everyone's got it, so I've got it. And then my only contact with work, because the company that I, I do bits of marketing for have a huge convention in the, the NEC in Birmingham yeah. every year. So they've got inroads to people that work there. So like my only contact with work would be like once every week, it'd be, how are you? Yeah, not bad. How are you? Yeah, yeah. great. So this has happened. This has turned into a morgue. This has turned into a hospital. Yeah. 60,000 people have died here. Six, and it was just like, oh, my only, my only intake to media at the moment was just horrific negativity and my yeah my anxiety was just through and it was it was um it was damaging you know i wasn't at times i was i guarantee i was unpleasant to be around um well well, i wasn't i wouldn't be fun to talk to and i just wanted to be on my own i guess well well let's hope if anything comes right around like this well not just anything like this anything on the news that you read that you think is the the apocalypse just reflect on this period of time where we've come to kind of realize that when we get carried away with these thoughts that actually just really try and think about it and is it as as dangerous and bad to your day-to-day living as you think it might be yeah yeah something that someone once told me and i can't even remember who it was but it stuck with me um was a saying that was just think global but act local yeah so Think global, be aware of the bigger picture, but you can only you can only act local. You can yeah. only work on things that are in your reach. So so focus on those. So sitting at home, you know, staring at statistics on how many people have got an illness that you can't do anything yeah, about. Yeah. That doesn't contribute to anything. But staying at home, staying socially distanced. If you've got elderly ones nearby, help them with food. You know, help the local the local element of it, and that's that's what will make you feel better. Yeah. Um, and I think there's a huge element in that, in that you feel better yourself when you help others. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and, and I think that's something that's, that definitely came out of COVID is a lot of people that, that have now changed their attitude in selfishness and are looking outwards as much as they are looking inwards. Yeah, I think, I think as for me anyway, a lot of, and I know it's been terrible for some people, but there've been a lot of positives, positives to take away from it. There have been yeah, negatives yeah, as well. But I think, you know, you really start to appreciate the people around you um, and whoever you can make contact with when all of that's taken away from you. So it really is, it has been in, in some strange way, a nice reset button to kind of uh, really pay attention to the fundamentals that we should be paying attention to in our lives every day. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the things that, the things that, we, that matter, like, you know, using social media to communicate rather than to gloat or flaunt. Yeah. So, you know, I'm going to reach out to people that I know are on their own because I know they're on their own, not because I want to tell them about this nice new shiny toy I've got yeah, and, yeah. or tell them about how good things are going. It's because I want to have a conversation with people. That's the good side of social media. Yeah. 
Um, and there was a lot of, you know, when people are bored and left to their own devices, there was a lot of negativity. There was a few witch hunts that happened during the social media, like during COVID with social media and stuff. And again, it's just like, I just can't. I've only got so much energy in a day and devoting it towards that sort of negativity is just going to make me miserable. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it doesn't affect it doesn't affect me in any positive way. So I'm not going to spend any time giving it the attention that it that it should have. I think that's that's a very good and wise way to be about these things. I think what I'd like to talk about briefly here as well is that you're setting up or you're in the midst of setting up a business. What advice would you have for someone in a similar position as to where you are? Um, I'm always good, better at giving opinions or giving <laughs> advice than taking yeah. it. Aren't um, we all though, really? But Yeah, exactly, yeah. Um, but I would say you're you aren't in control you're never going to be in control of everything and as much as you try and be so one of my biggest issues is i get stressed because i refuse to let go of things so i hold on to everything and i try and do every single job um and that's what stresses me out when there are a network of people that are going look i want to help i want to help and i feel like i'm burdening them by asking them to help but the reality is they want to be involved in it um so I think for people that are stressing, are thinking about setting up a business or thinking about giving it a shot, I have no idea whether my business is ever going to be successful. Mm -hmm. I think um, I've set up a business at the beginning of the largest global pandemic that we've <laughs> ever seen. So when you put it in that sort of context, yeah, the odds are pretty stacked against us. Um, but I think the one thing that I've always had to remind myself and the reason why I started the business in the first place is um, you can equally fail at something you don't care about. So you could go work for a job that you don't care about in an industry that you've got no interest in with people that you're not friends with, earning money that isn't great. And you can fail at that. So why not fail at something that you, or why not try something that you think you're going to love? And if you fail, at least you tried. Like, I'd rather try and fail than never try at all. Yeah, that's. And I think, I think that's all I can really say to myself. If, the, you know, if, if in two months' time the business crumbles, which hopefully it won't, you know, well, it definitely won't, but if in two months' time, heaven forbid, COVID kicks off again, everything shuts down, and we just go, you know what, we're throwing the keys or, or whatever, at least I tried. At least I can sit back and go, well, I found something I loved. I gave it a shot. The odds were stacked up against us, but I tried my damn hardest. And you strike me as well that let's say if this venture doesn't go as planned, you'll probably move on to something else and try and get something else to work. I'll always, I'll never, I'll never be happy working on something that I'm not passionate yeah. about. So something that, um, something that I'm doing on the side at the moment, which I, I, I completely fell into by accident was I'm now writing orchestral music for small films and TV and stuff like that, which I fell into completely by accident. Um, but I'm earning, I'm earning money from doing something that I never once considered myself to be able to earn money from doing. Music's never paid me a penny yeah. up until six months ago when I was like, I'm going to write something orchestral for fun because I've been playing a lot of video games and I like film scores and stuff like that. Um, and someone suggested to put it online and see what happens. And yeah, I think I'll never, ever be happy unless I'm working on something that I'm positive towards. 
And uh, so I remember, it's a conversation that I had with my dad when I first set up the business was he was like, well, what's your goal? Are you looking to set up a business to sell it? Are you looking to set up a business to make millions? What are you trying to do? And I just said, look, I want to set up a business. And if I earn less money than I'm earning now, but I'm happy going to work every day, then it's worth mm. doing. That's great. Because, there's, because some of the people that I've worked with have earned £100,000 a year plus, and they're the most miserable people I've ever yeah. met. So salary isn't a, a job is good, but work is, sorry, work is good, but a job is pointless. You, you know, anyone can have a job, but you should be working on something you're passionate yeah. about. And it's, it's enjoyable as well. You spend time doing, working on things you enjoy. And like, like they say, if you, if you work on something you like, you never work a day in your life. The old cliche. Yeah. And I think it sounds like you are really kind of developing and you're moving in the right direction. And I'd love to know what advice you could give to yourself, a 10 years younger version of you. 10 years younger. 10 years younger than me wouldn't listen. Yeah. Yeah. He wouldn't listen. <laughs> like 17-year-old seven, me, um, I'd just probably give him a hug. Yeah, okay. And just be like, look, you're in for a shit few years, but it's going to get better. Um, I mean, like now I'm 27 now, and I look back at things like like speaking to you for example like when we first started speaking again my brain naturally goes oh man we haven't spoke for five years why didn't we speak for five years did i do something wrong did i say something nasty did i do something wrong and i immediately go through these things and it's because i'm so different now to the person i was a year ago to the person i was five years ago so and to clarify to myself clarify there is no reason it's just one of those natural drifts that (laughs) that happened we just drifted Yeah. yeah yeah Um, so I think 10 years ago, me, it'd just be like, look, just hold on. Nice. Just like, just hold on, go, go for the ride. Um, and at the end of it, I just hope, you know, 10, I hope that I could see myself 10 years ago and know that I'm a better person now than I was 10 years ago. That's good. That's all I could hope for. I will let you have your time back. I think it's time to, uh, to wrap this up because I've definitely taken us over half an hour as I, as I said (laughs) that we would, but um i think i talk too much to be honest. your your roasting business that you've started your coffee roasting what's the name and where can people find yes. it because i think that'd be really good to for people to know about this yeah um so we're called crown and canvas coffee roasters um you can find us online crown and canvas.co.uk um there's a large element of our business that's based around ethics and environmentalism so it's not just about coffee it's about supporting people in third world countries that haven't got access to things like clean water schools you know stuff like that so there's a there's a huge element of the company that's looking backwards rather than forwards uh, and and any support during a difficult time is is massive yeah so that's massively appreciated 